anyone Hi. there. <laughs> Elisa is. Oh, hi, Elisa. I'm Justine. Oh, hey, what's up? Who are we? We're the Murder, Murder Sisters. So this is episode 46. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Welcome back. We're welcome. Sticking to our commitments. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any? Okay, say, do you have? You already know I have an announcement. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> thanks for asking. I mean, like I kind of uh, didn't. Really so, a um, little bit of a you know a shameless plug. We're asking that if you like our podcast, you listen to us, please share it with two people that you think might be into it. Um, or like if you have a favorite episode, if you could share that episode, because I think. Like when we first started out, we were very serious. We were like serious and very scripted. It wasn't as fun (laughs) or funny. Um, So yeah, we're asking that you do that because we're hoping to get monetized so that we can get better recording equipment. Elisa has a chip clip holding up her pop screen right now. And my stand is a stack of books. Stack of books and some printer paper. And mine (laughs) is an old cigar box. It's an antique. Nobody smokes cigars here, but yeah. So that's the that's yourself, the plug. Um, and then if you guys could just follow us on Instagram, it's at Murder Sisters Pod. We post pictures of relating to whatever podcast we post. Usually, like the victims, mm-hmm. and sometimes if they're suspects, yeah, or somebody that's it's just, convicted. It's yeah. related to it. It gives you a visual. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. that's true. Like maps or yeah, you know, things like so. that. So. I think that was very relevant, Elisa. Thank you. We don't typically like to do that kind of stuff. We don't like promoting ourselves. We don't like (laughs) asking for help, but (laughs) there it is. Thank you, guys. So this is episode 46, and today's case is a Halloween theme. Mm -hmm. This is a case about the 2008 unsolved murder of 24-year-old Arpana Janega in Redmond, Washington. And this was a night where she hosted slash attended a Halloween party. If you're hosting a party, aren't you also attending it? Well, you can... (laughs) (laughs) You know where it's like, okay, you can host and you can hide in your room. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) I don't know. And here's another thing. It's like there was an apartment complex. So it was like... She mingled and went around to the other. Okay. I think you're going to get into that. I'll cover that. Thank you, Lisa. Jeez. (laughs) Calling me out. Arpana was incredibly intelligent. She graduated from Rutgers University and worked as a software engineer. Super smart. Arpana took after her father, who was a professor of computer engineering in India, And she had moved over to the U.S. from one of the largest cities in India, Hyderabad. Sounds right. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. She lived there with her two younger sisters and her parents, B.C. and Nirmala. So she came over alone, but lived there with her family. Very tight, nice family. Arpana was very gifted and excelled in um, like so many things. It's Mm -hmm. crazy. Uh, Gymnastics, art writing her but her true passion was in tech and besides her father bc being a computer engineer arpana was truly influenced to pursue this path as a career after she participated in a (laughs) ieee hardware design contest I had to look this up because I was like, what's that that stand stand for? (laughs) It stands for Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers. Mm. Okay. Makes sense. So crazy. (laughs) In 2005, only three years before Arpana's death, when she was only 21 years old, she also participated in another design contest for microchip. And this is like so beyond my scope of knowledge and understanding of like, well, yeah. I'm like, like cool, my, like the word micro and chip, like yeah. a p- cool, cool. Sounds smart. She didn't win this contest, but she was highlighted as being in the top 20 out of like thousands of contestants. And she was the only contestant from Asia to get recognition, which, oh, nice. you know, says a lot. Arpana was making a name for herself and was on a strong path to success, really. 
She had hoped to one day become a professor, just like her dad. And after graduating from a highly respected university in India, Arpana wanted to continue her studies. So this time she would be moving to the good old U.S., U.S. of A. Cool, cool. Another thing about Mm. Arpana was that she was adventurous and didn't let anything hold her back. After receiving her master's in electrical and computer engineering, she made another big decision to stay in the U.S. And she accepted a job from a large tech company, EMC, which was actually acquired by Dell. Everyone mm-hmm. knows Dell. Yeah. In 2006. And she worked as a software quality assurance engineer. Things were just going great for her. And she was living the dream, living the U.S. dream. She was an asset to the company, and she was actually promoted to lead engineer only months after starting. Wow. So young. In early 2008, Arpana moved to an area of Seattle that is known for, like, being a tech scene. And she moved to an apartment complex called Valley View Apartments and lived in apartment number, I mean, like, we have an apartment number is That's crazy. 8946. It's on the top floor okay. of the apartment complex. Arpana was so outgoing and friendly. She quickly became part of the community at the apartment complex. And she was so badass that she pur- purchased a motorcycle without knowing how to ride one. Oh, my god! <laughs> like, she bought it. And then, and then was like, all right, I'm going to get my motorcycle license. Which is, like, so awesome. That's awesome. And shows what, you know, like, an adventurous person she was, just Mm -hmm. doing what she wanted. And not only did she learn to ride a motorcycle, she actually became a member of a local motorcycle club called the Pacific Northwest Riders. Oh, that's cool. And she went on, like, like countryside trips with them Mm -hmm. and rides with them, which (laughs) um, I just think it's so awesome, like... She came from another country <laughs> and in this industry, in this mm-hmm. field where it's like male dominated, then gets a motorcycle, which is like another kind of like male dominated thing. And yeah. she's just like, that I doesn't do what I want. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't let her let it hold her back, which is like just so cool. And just when you think Arpana couldn't get any cooler, she also volunteered at the Redmond Fire Department mm-hmm. and you know, this this girl, like, put my boring life to shame, I'm going to say. It, it, but Lisa, she was also in her 20s. You do not have a boring life. You've lived... Elisa. I'm sorry. Uh, you've lived in the UK. But still, it made me, it, like, inspired me. I was, like... As I was, she was very, very young. She was young, but not she's, to say like... you're old. It but. doesn't matter. Um, I think it doesn't, like, matter how, how young she was. Like, a lot of 20-year-olds don't just bravely like go to another country and like get buy a motorcycle get a license it's you know it's very i feel like that's something cool. you would do <laughs> thank so, you Lisa. just saying <laughs> you're a doer oh <laughs> thank you she also volunteered at an animal shelter and she even talked to her friends about opening her own animal sanctuary how did she have time for uh, all that's that? exactly and she's getting promoted and yeah, riding motorcycles what? and Get out of here with all Other that. hobbies. I you know it keeps going on. Other hobbies and interests that she had was Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. And she was a singer in a band when she was in college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So these are details of Arpana that make this murder so much more tragic. Like losing someone yeah. that had so much life. She was in going them. places, doing things. Yeah, exactly. Making moves. So I'm going to pass it on to you, Elisa. Oh, okay. Just hop um, on over. So... On Halloween night in 2008, it happened to fall on a Friday, which is always fun. The residents at the Valley View Apartments in that Seattle suburb of Redmond, Washington, decided to host a large party among multiple apartments. So on multiple floors, it was just this huge party. That's what I mean by yeah. she was a host. Because you could have been a, like attended the party, but not yeah. ho- been a a host. A yeah. Host, so so All right. <laughs> let me continue. There were four apartments that had been that had like chosen to decorate theirs as themes. Arpana was one of those people that decided on a theme. 
And she went with uh, Haunted Forest, and that was to match her Little Red Riding Hood costume. So the party was going... It was going really well at first. Everyone had been having a lot of fun. Obviously, there was a lot of drinking going on. And as many of you know, with alcohol and large groups of people in small spaces, issues come up. And this party was no exception to that. There was one man in particular that attended the Halloween party that was described by multiple people as being like very rowdy. He was kind of off-putting and just like extra and I mean you guys know those types who get like annoying yeah where it's like shut up yeah the more they drink the more who annoying invited they get. You? yes yeah. so the guy's name was Neil he was the brother of Chris Cutler who was a Valley View resident and Chris said that although the two of them were used to sharing like an 18 pack with no problems his brother drank way more than that the night of the Halloween party and according to a partygoer by the name of Rachel Shout, who was friends with two residents of the Valley View apartment and was also friends with Arpana through the friends that lived at the apartment, if that makes sense, um, Neil was universally annoying to the other guests. Like he was that one guy. Like everyone was Nobody like, liked uh... him. She even referred to him as being a douche. <laughs> yeah and she said he stuck out to her as someone that was causing problems at the party she also mentioned that neil had followed her into her friend's bedroom uninvited and tried to close the door behind Ew. him you know to basically like lock her in there with him but she was able to push past him and like get herself out of that room but not before neil asked rachel if she thought that arpana would be interested in hooking up with him that night and Rachel was like, no, no, no chance. <laughs> Nobody's like, interested in hooking no, up. No, 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 no. Um, so at one point, Neil had challenged another party goer to a boxing match. And the other nice. party goer's name was Emmanuel Fair. And his name is going to come up a lot in the rest of this episode. Neil had basically sucker punched Emmanuel and he busted his lip and made it bleed. But Emmanuel seemed to take it well. He was, you know, he was there to have fun. He wasn't there to was like, be fight. Yeah, he was like, whatever, cool, you know, not a big deal. And Emmanuel Fair had been invited to the party by a woman living in the complex, and her name was Leslie Potts. So both Emmanuel and Leslie had, they had come, they had rough backgrounds. <laughs> I'll just say that. They came from, you know, their lives were hard. And the two of them had become friends through MySpace. I don't know. If anybody don't know remembers good old MySpace. All, everyone knows MySpace. And the top eight. No. <laughs> oh, my God. Elisa, the top eight. Which is eight. always a controversy. Like, you moved Elisa. me off your top eight. I forgot about that. Um, and they had only hung out a couple of times before the night of the Halloween party. So just that's how he came to be there. After about four hours of the drinking and partying at around midnight, Arpana had invited a group to back to her apartment for some drunk munchies, some like frozen pizza. So they were just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like. You get hungry. Yeah. You, uh, get you need hungry. something to soak up the booze. Running around to apartment complexes. And, and among the group in her apartment were Neil. So the annoying Oh, Neil. Guy. Why I is know. he there? His brother, Chris Cutler. Rachel, that I had mentioned earlier. Rachel's then boyfriend, now husband, Sean. And then Cameron Johnson. And Cameron Johnson was a Valley View resident. His name will come up a lot again, too. But he was a Valley View resident who shared living room walls with Arpana's apartment. Mm -hmm. And people described him as being very quiet. He was just kind of sitting there, you know. Eating and Cameron munchies. had spent most of the night out. So Cameron wasn't at the party the whole time. He had actually gone out with his friends and then come back home and then was like, oh, okay, I'll join you guys in Arpana's For apartment. For like the after party. Kind yeah. Of okay. And Arpana and Cameron were kind of, they were kind of friends and they kind of joked around and flirted a little bit. And Arpana had told Rachel that Cameron had a crush on her. 
but that she wasn't interested in him. So just kind of keep that. She yeah. was like, I think Cameron. She could tell that Cameron oh, yeah, liked yeah, her, yeah. but she was like not interested, but mm-hmm. she would still flirt with him a little. Yeah, yeah. So the party was still very lively at this point, and things started to get rowdy. People started arguing with each other. So residents kind of made the decision to start shutting things down. Okay, like, so it, it was, was getting it was still like popping. Yes. Okay. All right. Because I thought it, it was, was like so popping. So popping that people started getting way too wasted to the point where they were like fighting, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was just, it kind of turned, it took a turn. Mm -hmm. So most of the party goers and residents had gone back to their places for the remainder of the night. Like there was this core group that was left um, and it was the residents and like very close friends or relatives of the residents that were left. Included in that group was Rachel her then boyfriend, now husband, Sean, Arpana, and a few others. They were kind of left just hanging out. And there was a lot of drinking and talking and hanging out still going on at that time. But things were more chill. So it had wound down, but there's still drinking going on. (laughs) So after having... um, They were just all kind of hanging out. Yeah. And after... I think they were at... They were at a downstairs apartment. Um, maybe Chris, I think Chris Cutler's apartment. Oh, okay. Um, Which has the annoying Neil. brother. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Neil. So, apparently he wasn't annoying enough to avoid. It's like, let's just go. But, to, yeah. So after having a pretty intense conversation with Rachel about how lucky American women are to have the rights that they have compared to the women in India, Arpana said that she had she grabbed her keys and she was like I have to go she got it was an emotional conversation not angry but she was just upset Rachel said like she had started crying at one time I just attribute this to drinking yeah yeah yeah, drinking Mm -hmm. you know when you like your emotions are kind of like we've had plenty of friends where they got when they would get drunk they would cry like yeah whatever um there's criers Elisa plenty of quote unquote friends no. <laughs> I've, I no, don't, I'm th- I have one never, girl I have one girl I, know, I have one girl and I'm thinking of the same girl. I was wearing a brand new brand new sweater and she was crying on me and got With mascara, mascara. Oh. all over it and I was like Ugh. but um, Arpana was like nice so. not like but it was like drunk tears yeah, yeah. drunk crying it, that's what I'm getting at that was the last time that her friends saw her alive But it wasn't the last time anybody heard her. Mm. So she had a neighbor on the other side. I think they shared bedroom walls. His name was Kyle. And he actually still lives in the Valley View Apartments. Wow. Um, Oh, my gosh. mm -hmm. And he was in his apartment the night of the Halloween party. But he did not attend the party okay. he said people would try to knock on his door and get him to come hang out but he just didn't answer it he's so like he's i have like, no candy no candy. not today yeah. not today not today so kyle said that he had woken up around 8 a.m and heard arpana making noises similar to like throwing up or getting sick and he also heard a loud thud like maybe she had fallen out of bed or something he mentioned that a little bit later That same morning, he heard water running for a decent amount of time, like, I think almost an hour. He assumed, based on the noises and all of that, that Arpana had drank too much, Mm -hmm. gotten sick, threw up, passed out on the floor, which was the thud, and then, like, showered herself off later. For an hour, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, sometimes, you know. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Where you're just, like. probably uh, still intoxicated. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So... Arpana had always maintained daily contact with her family back in India. So it was really odd to them when they hadn't heard from her for a couple of days. And after not being able to get in touch with Arpana, her dad made a phone call to a family friend who lived close enough, close enough to Arpana to drive over to her place and check on her for the family. That's nice. That, yeah. Because he was in India. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so, and this was on Monday, November 3rd, when Dr. Janaga made that call to his friend. All right. She had not, by that time, she had not made it into work 
But her manager had figured because it was Halloween, he knew she was having a party. There was one other time he said that she called in sick to work because she had drank too much the night before. Arpana? So he just assumed. I mean, she was in her 20s. I know, you know? but she was like so. Um, yeah, but responsible. like. But it, yeah, she was also in her 20s. Yeah. Yeah. So by that time, it was Monday. No one had heard from her for a few days. And then, like I said, Dr. Janaga, he was pretty frantic and he made that mm-hmm. call to the family friend by the name of Jay. And Jay lived in Seattle. He was pretty close to where Arpana was, um, the suburb she was living in. So after speaking with Jay and letting him know like what was going on, Jay first tried to call Arpana and he had no success, just like everybody else. Yeah. And then Dr. Janaga asked Jay, like I said earlier, if he could go check on her. So after knocking, he's, Jay said he, went, he didn't know what apartment door was yeah. hers. So he was knocking on the wrong door for a decent amount of time and nobody came to the door. Mm-hmm. And so he was just kind of standing there when he saw Cameron Johnson. Okay. The one Cameron that, is the one that was interested in. Exactly. Arpana. Okay. Shared living room walls. Got they, it. Yeah. Uh, she, Next door neighbor. Flirty kind of with her. Correct. All right. So he ran into Cameron Johnson down the hall and um, he, Jay asked Cameron if he knew who Arpana was and if he knew which apartment was hers. And obviously he was her neighbor. So he said yes. Yeah. So Cameron directed Jay to Arpana's door and they noticed that, okay, so Jay gently pushed it open because it was ajar. Mm-hmm. And at that point, a bolt fell off of the door. It was Whoa. clear that the lock had been broken yeah. and the door was splintered as if somebody had <gasps> kicked it in. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Like kicking. Yeah. So Jay asked Cameron if he would come with him inside to the apartment to check on Arpana because I think at that point he was like, something's not good, you yeah. know, so I don't want to go in there by myself. And so Jay began calling out Arpana's name and wasn't getting a response And Jay had seen Arpana's motorcycle helmet, but he had noticed earlier that her motorcycle was not in the parking lot. Mm -hmm. So he knew, like, she wouldn't have taken her motorcycle without taking the helmet. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a little odd. And as the two headed back into, like, further into the apartment, they had come to her bedroom and Jay saw that Arpana was, her body was laying on the floor next to the bed with her head towards the bedroom door and her feet towards the window. Mm-hmm. Jay said that he noticed that Arpana was covered in a liquid of some sort. And at that point, Jay asked Cameron to check Arpana's pulse because he didn't, he was from India. He said he didn't know protocol. Like he didn't mm-hmm. know like what CPR, like what the protocol was here for, that's what he said. I think he was just, he didn't want to do it. Yeah. yeah. And he's like a family friend. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to be the one. Because yeah. I'm like, in India, they know, you know. Yeah. 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 I think he just, and that's fine. Um, I yeah. totally understandable. Yeah. I, I think, can't imagine. Like, I think he was too having scared. Having his friend call, his mm-hmm. friend call, who's a father of, yeah. of Arpana. So Jay asked Cameron to check for her pulse or whatever. And Cameron said that he didn't want to touch her. He was like, no. So then Jay made a phone call to 911 and he was absolutely frantic on the call. Um, I was able to listen to it. And after struggling to communicate with the 911 operator, Jay finally handed the phone to Cameron Mm -hmm. because Cameron was calm. He was not freaking out and he was easier to understand. And then on top of that, Jay had a thick Indian accent. So... Mm -hmm. You know, he was scared, panicked, frantic, you know. Yeah. You you couldn't really understand him. So Cameron got on the phone with the operator. And something that stuck out to me on the 911 call was Cameron referred to Arpana as it. What? He said, (gasps) yeah, she was asking like, oh, did you check for a pulse? Is there any sign of life or something along those lines? And he said, I didn't get close to it. And Okay. Well, okay. Uh-huh. Being devil's advocate, did you check the pulse? I didn't get close to it. Like the pulse. I think he was talking about her body. Oh, um, but 
I will say that other times during the call, he did refer to her as her. Mm-hmm. Never used her. I, I was just like, did he just call her it? it? Yeah. That's, yeah. So it was yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. After officers and EMTs, EMTs arrived on the scene, it was very clear to everyone that Arpana was deceased. And she had been for some time. So one of the officers had to break the news about Arpana's death to Jay, who knew Ugh. that jo- Dr. Janaga was going to be calling him. Yes, he's the one that... Yeah. yeah, he said he was dreading having to tell Dr. Janaga the news. So he screened his calls, and then he made the drive to Redmond Police Station to give his statement. And he at that time, he also confirmed the identity of Arpana through a picture that police pulled from her social media profile. So between the time that Arpana had found had been found and the time that Jay completed his statement with Redmond police, news about Arpana had traveled back to her family. So when Jay finally took the call from Dr. Janaga, Dr. Janaga had asked Jay if there was any chance of survival. Mm-hmm. And Jay oh. said that was so... Oh my god! Yeah. Because, yeah, and Jay had to tell him, like, no, there, no, there's nothing that could have been done to save her. So um, after the autopsy of Arpita Janaga was completed, it was determined that her cause of death, death was asphyxiation due to ligature strangulation. And the manner of death was obviously homicide. Yeah. There was also signs of sexual assault. So Arpana had also had, on top of all of that, she had teeth that were broken. She was gagged with her underwear and tape was placed over her mouth. And she also had signs of multiple blunt force injuries to her head. Oh, my God. Yeah. And um, there was an officer by the name of Brian Coates who worked the Arpana murder case. And he said that when he entered Arpana's apartment... He was immediately hit with like a really strong smell of bleach. Mm-hmm. And he could actually see bleach stains, like a bleach trail stain going through Arpana's apartment down the hall. Mm-hmm. And he said, he basically followed that. And he said that he looked into her bathroom and you could see a white comforter that was stained with, you know, it was blood. Um, in the bathtub and that once inside Arpana's bedroom, he could see Arpana laying on the floor. She had blue staining on her hands and that was later Hmm. determined to be toilet bowl cleaner. Oh my God. He also noticed that she had a chemical burn on her arm and that she had a glistening like liquid covering her entire body. She had like different things all over. And that glistening liquid was later determined to be motor oil. What? So, so there's like toilet bowl cleaner, bleach, motor and, oil. Mm-hmm. <gasps> and there was also an attempt made by the perpetrator to light her bedroom carpet on fire. Mm. So all in all, Arpana had motor oil, toilet bowl cleaner, and bleach poured on her entire body postmortem, which was an attempt to cover up DNA. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously the sh- signs of the burn. So I think that perpetrator was also thinking like oh i'm gonna light her on fire and she's gonna go up in flames yeah because she has, she has all these chemicals on her mm-hmm. brian Coates noted that the amount of time that the killer spent inside arpana's apartment cleaning up and attempting to get rid of evidence was significant um because you know so like they were obviously comfortable enough to be spending that kind of time in her apartment cleaning it up and stuff not worrying about anybody showing up or and they knew potentially the interrupt yeah exactly Coates later f- sorry Brian Coates later found the motor oil bo- bottle part of Arpana's Halloween costume that had burn marks on it black satin sheets that also were burned in the garbage can dumpster located at the apartment complex okay so this meant that the person had to spend a good amount of time inside Arpana's apartment. And like I said, they felt comfortable enough to go up and down yeah, the stairs. Yeah. Like people know me of, here. Yeah. Um, so that, like Justine said, that pop per, uh, that meant that they were comfortable there. So was it a resident? You know? It had to be. Yeah. So Brian Coates and his team immediately started to process, started the process of going through like Halloween 
photos, party photos, and they were just trying to identify guests, speak with them, get statements, you know, try to figure out who was potential suspects, who could be ruled out. It was through that questioning that they narrowed it down to two potential suspects. One was Cameron Johnson, the neighbor that was into Arpana. Yep. The one that liked her. She mm -hmm. didn't like him, but flirted. Correct. And they shared shared, a wall. Yeah. uh, Living room wall. And then the other one was Emmanuel Fair. And he was the one that got sucker punched by Neil in the face. Okay. And he also happened to be the only black person at this party. Very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So Cameron, let's talk about Cameron Johnson. Okay. One of the main suspects in the murder of Arpana Janaga was Cameron Johnson, who was her neighbor. Cameron was the one that found Arpana's body with the family friend Jay. Oh, yeah. And, and the, didn't want to touch her. Yeah. And this was the same Jay that had a thing for Arpana. Wait, same Jay? I mean, Cameron. Sorry. I'm like, don't, don't you <laughs> even talk about Jay like that. <laughs> oh God, Justine, you were like <laughs> on top of that. Whoa. So the morning after the Halloween party, Cameron had told police that he had gotten into his car and drove all the way to the Canadian border where he was refused entry because he didn't have a passport or a valid reason for wanting to enter Canada. Wow. And I don't know. I was for a while into these like Canadian. <gasps> oh my bo- God. That's right. You got me hooked on I those. I was like into these Canadian border shows. I mean, and I still am. I mean, they are hardcore. Hard yeah. You showed me those. They will not let you in if you do not have an absolute 100% valid reason. And they yeah. will go through your emails. They will go through your text phone. messages. Like They will call people to verify things. Yeah. So he got denied. And if that isn't weird enough, he had also told police that on the night of the party, he was awoken at 3 a.m. by what he said was moaning coming from Arpana's apartment. It was also discovered that Cameron had made two calls to Arpana around 3 (gasps) a.m. So weird. Yeah, that is. And when he was confronted with the cell phone records, Cameron said that he didn't remember calling. So likely he said, I didn't remember calling. I fell back asleep. Oh, I forgot. And I slept until 10 a.m. that morning. So Cameron also admitted to police that he was sexually attracted to Arpana (laughs) and that he was hoping to hook up with her the night of the Halloween party. But that that didn't happen. Okay, so if that isn't incriminating It's like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, Yeah. all this stuff piling up. It ran to the border. So Cameron's DNA had been found on the motor oil bottle that was found in the dumpster. And his was the primary DNA source on that bottle of motor oil. And that motor oil matched the... How many times can I, I say know? I was oil? gonna say I'm like, it matched the motor oil, motor oil. It matched the oil that was found on Arpita's body. Okay. And then something also to add to Cameron, his, uh, Arpina's cell phone and camera had been missing from her apartment. Mm-hmm. And Cameron had just so happened to do a search for pawn shops on November 1st. <gasps> which also, in addition to not remembering calling her at 3 a.m., he also didn't remember doing that search oh yeah like i can't I remember this i can't was remember. it was that even me i searched for pawn shots like what me me no no um so that's cameron stuff and then let's move on to emmanuel fair mm-hmm. the only black man at the party on the morning that arpana had been found emmanuel fair had still been at leslie potts apartment and leslie is again his friend that okay. he met on myspace okay remember all right all right and she lived at the apartment yep they both had rough lives rough that's right that's right rough lives. um and leslie had known that emmanuel had a warrant out for his arrest so she had hid him in her apartment while she spoke to police and then later that night when it was like kind of the coast is clear even though there were still you know police activity Mm -hmm. emmanuel left the valley view apartments and took a bus back home okay and i think the choice to hide and not speak to officers to me, is understandable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a black man. He had a record on him. Um, And did she know any, like, she knew that somebody... She knew enough to, like... Someone was murdered. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, at that point, everybody knew. Like, it was known around the complex or that something happened to her. And she she was with him, so she was Mm -hmm. like... 
Yeah. So he, mm-hmm. you know, he hid because he's a black man. He had a record. He didn't want to be arrested. Um, but I also think that that decision hurt him in the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think it made in, in the officer's eyes, it made him look suspicious. Yep. Yep. Uh, to me, it wouldn't because I get where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. I understand that this area was a very safe area that they were in. The crime rates in um, Redmond were fell far below mm-hmm. the average U.S. average. So it okay. was super safe. There were never any murders there, yeah. you know, and he happens to be the only person of color that has a record at this party. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... <laughs> Emmanuel had a third degree rape charge on his record. Oh. For a sexual assault on his, I think it was his girlfriend's daughter. Um, Emmanuel said that it was consensual, but she was a teenager. Okay. That's so, not cool. Not cool. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. So to me, it doesn't matter. Oh, consensual, whatever. She was a teenager. She was, yeah, I think, no, like 15 th- or 16. And like his, wait, his girlfriend. I don't know how old he was. But his girlfriend's daughter? I think it was his girlfriend's Ugh. daughter. Um, so, um, police identified Emmanuel through party photos and through like DNA and they did a background check on him. And of course the rape charge didn't help his case. Yeah. In fact, I think his charge on his record and then evading police basically when they were trying to question people moved police, moved their focus from Cameron mm-hmm. to Emmanuel which I have to say yeah but I mean I'll okay okay I'm gonna wait so in the early morning hours between 2 a.m and 5 a.m on the night Arpana died Emmanuel was making calls to Leslie Potts who he was supposedly with her in the yeah, apartment I thought they were together and he was also making calls to a sex worker Okay. Um, Emmanuel had told police that he had gone back to Leslie Potts apartment for the night around 1 30 to two. So it's weird that he would be calling her. Yeah. Maybe his timeline was a bit off. Everyone had been drinking very heavily. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I couldn't tell you at what time I did what even today or yeah, yesterday. But you can look at phone like and, your phone yeah to look right but like like he hold didn't on, have let a, me look he didn't have a record of when he went back to leslie's apartment yeah okay so maybe his timeline was off because of the drinking with the um, like getting back to her yeah okay however emmanuel's dna was found on arpana's um neck Tri- okay mm-hmm. just kidding before you make any judgments, just uh-huh. keep listening. So there was some of his DNA found on her neck, on the duct tape used to cover her mouth, on toilet paper in her bathroom, and on Janaga's or Arpana Janaga's bathrobe, which was found in the bag with the motor oil. Okay. So something that I think is important to note is that Emmanuel did spend time in Cameron's car the night of the Halloween party. Oh. As well as in his apartment. How do we know? That? So both Cameron and Emmanuel said. Oh, they so, both. Okay. Mm-hmm. After hanging out in Cameron's apartment, the two men went to Cameron's car to listen to some tracks. They said, I don't know, mm-hmm. yeah. some beats. Um, Probably had some like subs. Yeah. So the reason why it's important is because of the touch DNA evidence. I was gonna say, and like, I am is going it touch to. DNA? Yeah. I'm going to give you the whole definition of touch DNA. Perfect. Thank you, Elisa. So touch DNA is also known as trace DNA, and it's a forensic method for analyzing DNA left at the scene of a crime. It's called touch DNA because it only requires very small samples. For example, from skin skin cells left on an object after it has been touched casually or handled Mm -hmm. or from footprints. Touch DNA analysis only requires seven or eight cells from the outmost layer of human skin. The technique has been criticized for high rates of false positives due to contamination. Mm -hmm. For example, fingerprint brushes used by crime scene investigators can transfer trace amounts of skin cells from one surface to another, leading to inaccurate results. Yeah, yeah. Wait, without gloves. No, with the dust thing they use for like, oh, like well, 
yeah. So it's, if they use the same, and then dusting. also if they use the same gloves to yeah. get evidence, well, they and, wouldn't use the same gloves. I would no hope. to oh, pick I up see. evidence at the same crime scene. Yeah. Okay, so okay, okay. because of the risk of false positives, it's more often used by the defense to help exclude a suspect rather than by the prosecution. This entire case was based off of this touch DNA. Touch. I had a feeling and that I used the word evidence very loosely because I like if you have a bunch of other evidence with the touch DNA, sure, great. But if that's all we're going off of, it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because we know that Emmanuel was in Arpana's apartment. Yeah, we know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. He had spent a decent amount of time in her apartment the night of the Halloween party. He had also been seen earlier helping with decorations. Okay, which they used tape to hang decorations. The same duct tape. Okay, so he was seen hanging decorations. Um, he could have also used the tape to, you know, like tape up those decorations. I also think that um, I don't don't quote me on this, but I think at some point somebody found a photo from the party of Arpita and Emmanuel together. Mm-hmm. So they were in contact. Yeah. Emmanuel yeah. also was in very close contact with Cameron on the night of the party when they were in his apartment in the, in the car. car. Yeah. So it can be assumed that Emmanuel's DNA could have gotten on the tape, her neck, the even all, all of them. Okay. Those. So he was in her apartment. What if you use the bathroom there? That mm-hmm. explains the toilet paper. If there wasn't something to dry your hands off after you washed your hands, the you towel. could use the bathrobe. Oh, the bathrobe, the bathroom, you know, towel. due to him. Yeah, help- yeah. yeah. So there's reasons for yeah his DNA being on those things. And I'm I, like, do you see where I'm yes, going? Yes, yes. It's and not then, a solid. However, Cameron's DNA prominent DNA source on that motor oil is in my opinion not as easily explainable what do you mean prominent so they said it was basically from what I gathered it was the primary DNA source all over that bottle so that means he handled it a lot like his fingerprint or I that they just use the word oh primary like primary yeah where it's like the uh, more sources yes okay so it's not uh, and there was no manual there was right that was like a word primary trace and primary Mm -hmm. okay so on October 30th 2010 um so this is Two years later, Emmanuel mm-hmm. Fair was charged with the rape and murder of Arpana Janaga, and mm-hmm. he was placed in a holding cell in Seattle King County Jail while he awaited trial. And he sat there for eight years, seven months, and 14 days what about- without even being convicted <gasps> of a crime. What? Mm-hmm. Don't you have a, a right to a speedy trial? I mean, I... D- <sighs> Yeah, well, he didn't get in it. our country. <laughs> I mean, the facility, even the facility that he was held in, it wasn't meant for long term holding. Whoa. So he was a lot of times in solitary. Like, oh it was not good. <gasps> and after all that time spent awaiting trial, he finally had his day in court first. He had two mm-hmm. days in court um, or two trials. First in 2017. And that ended in a hung jury. Mm-hmm. Because there was one juror who saw Manuel and instantly he used these words. He said he saw a thug with tattoos on his hands and he wanted to convict someone for the family <gasps> and said that Emmanuel could appeal later. What? So, uh, wow. The second trial was in June 2019 and those jurors did. They did their job. Mm-hmm. They cleared him of all charges due to the prosecutors not proving without a reasonable yeah. doubt that Emmanuel had committed the crime. And at that point, he was released. Mm-hmm. However, obviously, the damage was done. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was robbed of eight years of his life, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was for something he never should have been charged for in the first place. Whether he did it or not, there was not it enough evidence yeah. to charge him. Yep. So, you know, that's kind of 
whether he did it or not is not relevant because the evidence According that they to, had yeah. was not, there wasn't anything there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and of course, Cameron Johnson, I feel like there was more evidence there. Yeah. It might be circumstantial, but Cameron, you know, Cameron happens to be white. He didn't have a previous rape charge on his record. Yeah. And during pretrial hearings, um, the state described Cameron Johnson as being an and I use quotes, uncharged uh, accomplice. (gasps) So they said that he, and I quote, may have been involved in some way. And uh, Emmanuel Fair was, his lawyers were able to get this motion um, prohibited, this argument prohibited during the trial. Um, So that wasn't presented. Yeah. And Cameron was also presented as a potential other suspect and was called as a witness by fairs emmanuel fairs team wow but he invoked his fifth Fifth amendment yeah exactly Mm -hmm. against self-incrimination yep which is suspicious yes um so which is his right but also i mean it's like it's like why do you need to do that yeah but you know um and he wasn't being charged i i don't whatever well but also it's his right and you can't like but Still. I know I'm not I'm playing like yeah. devil's so, advocate. I can't right? say who I think killed Arpana. But if we look at the big picture, Cameron had he had motive, he had means, he had opportunity, and yeah. he had very suspicious behavior following Arpana's murder. Um, he was also one of the people that found Arpana. Yeah. So like that's yep, also you're right, Elisa. You know, and he wouldn't check her pulse. He wouldn't, you know. I don't want to touch her. So it's also entirely possible that someone completely different did this. So it could have been some random person off the street who saw all of the apartments were open that night. Way late or early into the morning hours because they were having the Halloween party. So... Could somebody yeah. off the street saw that as like an opportunity? But there was and she no... was the only female that was there alone. You know, but there was no DNA that connected. I don't, you know, I know, I know, I know, it's also frustrating. It's also really difficult, the DNA part of it, because there was a huge party. So, yeah, and everybody was in her apartment. And that's a, that's a, like the, the good thing about DNA is like, you know, it could prove someone's innocent sometimes or, you know, um, prove someone's guilty, like, with without reasonable doubt but like this i don't think it's kind of like i mean dna is like you had to have like it didn't matter other than that because it was touch dna it wasn't a lot it wasn't it didn't answer anything i feel like they the police were like oh we have this black guy that has a rape charge already you know what i I will say this. I find the fact that no one heard the door being kicked in weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, like the I feel like that would be door really thing. loud. How did no one hear that? Like mm-hmm. that's pretty also pretty ballsy of somebody to do. Like kick Just down kick the door and then yeah. take their time. They were yeah, supposedly in right, there for Elisa. hours. Like to the dumpster, like up yeah. and down the stairs. She was on the Trying top to burn floor. things, clean yeah. things, cover things up. Get mo- yeah, yeah. And like, here's the other thing, like with the motor oil. Mm-hmm. So I, I, d- why was Cameron's DNA on there? Yeah. That's something weird. Like, so was that his motor oil? If so, how did somebody get that? Did Emmanuel like, but also oh, people some- were in Cameron's apartment. Yeah. So, you know, it's too many yeah unanswered and then questions yeah so another thing i tried to do i tried to find pictures from the party that night which mm-hmm. was virtually impossible mm-hmm. i also wanted to find cameron pictures of cameron yeah because of course there's plenty of pictures of emmanuel yeah yeah you know but not of cameron none so i did uh sir you know i googed and <laughs> i tried to find you know i tried to find him and it's shocking how many Cameron Johnsons are located in the Washington area. Um, but yeah, the handling of Arpana's case in general, mm-hmm. I think 
I think the police got sort of tunnel vision. Yes. There. Yeah. I think they yeah. saw an easy way out, pinned it on this guy, call it a day, wipe your hands of it. His mm-hmm. DNA was f- like flecks of his DNA were found on things that seem And important. they might have like been ignorant to the fact that like, you know, touch DNA. Like, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But, but I and then there's also the huge misjustice to Emmanuel Fair. And it's still it's unsolved. still unsolved. Yeah. Which which is like awful. Yeah. Tragic and I for Arpanes family. I can't say like who I think did it. I don't Me know. Me neither, Elisa. Because I think there's not enough of anything yes. yeah. to make sense. Yep. I wish they would have focused more on like that broken door. Yeah. Or like trying to find the bleach bottle or like there were no cameras. But I think there was so much. Miss like there were so like I think the fact that it was a massive party. Yeah. Everyone's apartments were open was the hugest hurdle to overcome. And I just don't Mm -hmm. think they ever could, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's it <laughs> I know we're like both sad now <laughs> that was super depressing and our uh, next one is going to be depressing as well so cool stay tuned <laughs> stay tuned yeah <laughs> um thanks Elise yeah that was good that was really thank you I tried it could have been a lot longer but I wanted to consolidate and like no that was it good it was like and not you know get too much into the weeds exactly all right oh well, <laughs> we're all like just I know every time we're all thanks for listening (laughs) happy halloween if you celebrate it and follow us on instagram (laughs) (laughs) at murder sisters pod and then please like i said at the beginning please share our podcast i'm asking you guys to share it with two people